Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Two seconds. He'll get a shot off on the way. Got it. Finds Wall and there's his game winner. On the move, on the way. Tucker will score. Sean Tucker with a touchdown. Gillen. Got it. Derek, you win. Are you serious? Five down. One to go. Syracuse is playing for the national title. It's too long, and Syracuse is your national champion. Who's out? Who's out? Who's out? Who's out? What's up, Syracuse fans? It's Mikey Kaplan from AllSyracuse.com, part of the Sports Illustrated Fan Nation Network, with the man, the myth, the legend, Josh Crawford, here to talk about Syracuse versus Pittsburgh. This episode, as always. Presented by Hoffman Sausage Company and Bet Online, Josh uh, Syracuse Pittsburgh. It's Syracuse. It's the opponent that Syracuse has played the most in its history. It's a rivalry that dates back to 1916. They've played each other every year since 1955, and this mm-hmm. is one of the more interesting matchups between these two teams um, that that they've had, especially in recent memory. I'm curious, you know, when you look at this game on paper, just kind of from a macro level going into this game, your thoughts on how the teams match up, where each team is, has gone so far this season, um, and, you know, your your thoughts on the matchup overall. Um, like you said, talk, speaking macro, one of the things I love to talk about, it is very interesting to observe, you know, the, the changing dynamics of the this uh, obviously well-established matchup from last year to this year. Last year, you have a guy, Kenny Pickett, the only guy to end up being the, uh, a first-rounder in that, in that draft class. And you kind of knew what uh, you know Pitt was going to do. Pickett, Jordan Addison, five out, air raid. It's going to be a lot of, you know, we're going to expose your your mismatch uh, in uh, space and go with it. That's a complete flip-flop uh, for what the Pitt offense is trying to do this year because of personnel. But also – um, you're talking about a situation where this SU team is the team that's ranked and supposedly coming off some sort of a downtrod in this versus last year, Pitt with Pickett was the ranked team and the heavily favored team going into this matchup. <laughs> so in terms of a macro level, it's, it's interesting to see the dynamics of the matchup change from year to year. With you, with you letting me know, this is a, a reoccurring thing. Yeah, it is. Now, to me, this game is, if you're analyzing it and what the keys are to, to who's going to come out on top, um, it's a very simple game. And by that, I mean, this is going to be predicated on who can run the ball and who can't. Uh, Pittsburgh struggles to move the ball offensively when they can't run. Syracuse, um, these are the two best rushing teams in the ACC. Basketball is back and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at BetOnline. And as your continued source for all sports wagering information, BetOnline features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events, whether that's NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, or even golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. Syracuse, at the same time, um, has struggled to move the ball when it can't run it consistently. So 
whichever team can stop the run while also having success offensively with the run wins the game. It, it's very simple, but I, I really think that's that's going to be the key to it. If, if you're Syracuse, you have to force Israel Abanaconda to not have one of those, you know, 300 yard, six touchdown games, whatever nonsense he Golly. had earlier this season. I mean, well, he had one of those games earlier this season. He set the pit single, single game rushing record. He had a 300 yard game. He had a 300 yard game. Yeah, look this up. Bonkers. So, um, I think I think it was against Virginia Tech. If, he did thirty six right. carries for three hundred and twenty yards and six touchdowns. Golly! I know, I know. I mean, what? that's a season for some people. I was just about to say that's somebody's total stats for the year. Um, so that you have to prevent him from having that type of a game. If he has that type of a game, Pittsburgh can put up points. Obviously, six touchdowns. You know, that's that's forty two points. But um, you know. It, if you keep him to like 120 yards and one or two touchdowns, that's something you can overcome because Pitt's not dynamic enough this year to take 120 some odd rushing yards and a couple of rushing touchdowns and turn that into 30, 40 some odd points. Um, last year, you know, when you've got Kenny Pickett and Jordan Addison running around, obviously having a hundred yard rusher and a couple of touchdowns is only going to make them that much more dangerous. So, it's a completely different situation this year with with uh, Slovis there in, in his place, transferring in from USC. His uh, completion percentage is way down from where it was when he was at USC. Um, you know, so he's he's really struggled. I think that gives Syracuse an opportunity if they can force um, Pittsburgh into some second and third long situations. That plays right into Syracuse's hands. Now you can. Uh, disguise those blitz packages that you want to. You can take advantage of your deep and talented secondary and, you know, try to make some plays defensively to force some three and outs, maybe some turnovers. Uh, but again, this game is is very simplistic to me. Who runs the ball well? Who stops the run? I think that's what's going to determine who wins it. And it all starts to me with how Syracuse stops Israel Abanaconda. And, and as a former defensive lineman yourself, when you've got a talented running back like that, who's in rhythm, who's had a bunch of big games, he's going to be the number one focus of the game plan. How, how, what do you have to do to shut down a guy like that, especially from a defense that's been shredded on the ground the last two weeks? It's tailgating season and no one does it better than Hoffman Sausage Company. Beer Bratwurst, Jalapeno Cheddar Sausage, Kabasi, and Bun Length Chicken Sausage. Add them to the menu with classic German Franks and snappy grillers, and fans will go wild. Proudly made in New York since 1879, when you bite into a Hoffman, you experience a little bit of upstate history. Taste tells, Hoffman is a proud partner of Syracuse University Athletics. Um, talking about that, one of the biggest things that we discussed on the pod this past two weeks is the, the, the not inability, the lack of size, girth in the, the defensive line for SU. But the, the the size and depth of the interior offensive lines for issue uh, for Clemson and Notre Dame we passed to opponents. That's not the same thing with Pitt. Pitt is much more similar to Syracuse from a, a, a national perspective, from a um, from a uh, from a perception perspective and a recruiting perspective. So the talent level and the depth is going to be more even with issue. So you're not going to have a you're not going to have two to three pro tackles like Notre Dame or like Clemson had. So for me. 
I think the biggest thing for the, the stopping uh, Big Izzy is getting knocked back on this line of scrimmage for uh for Caleb, for Big Steve, for uh, – I almost said T, for uh, KD. Because we know how good Marlo and Caleb have been. For, I said it last week, for, to a certain degree, um, the lack of size on the D-line helps their stats and helps them really a lot of make a play – a lot of plays beyond the line of scrimmage and in space. But if you're talking about a guy, Big Izzy, uh, he's, a, he's a bruising bat. He's not Sean Tucker. He's not looking to hit the C-gap and go outside. He's going from B to B. A lot of inside zone, and he he, he made he hits he he gets his yards by runs at the contact, not breaking all big chunks of yards. So for me, it's gonna be uh you look you talk about a guy like Derek Henry, and although I don't think Israel, I'm, I'm gonna let you say Big Izzy is of the same caliber as Derek Henry. He's a similar size, and I think that the way that you can stop him is very is, is similar. Don't allow him to get one cut and get downhill though. You have to break his path of momentum, and doing that to do that, your defensive lineman has to be very active because. Defensive lineman getting knocked back, getting pushing off his line back, that creates a lot of chaos, confuses blocking schemes, and dirties up the path for a running back. So I think that if they can do that, if they can play with strength and leverage, I mean that'll go a long way um, in terms of uh, maybe not slowing Big Easy down because again, I think he's an NFL caliber back. But like you said, not allow him to do the type of damage for them to lose a, a, a third consecutive game. There's no doubt, and and if if Syracuse can, you know force Pittsburgh into some second and long, third and medium or third and long situations. And and you're going to force uh, Kadon Slovis to beat you. You know, he's completing 58% of his passes this year. He's thrown only five touchdowns compared to five interceptions in, in seven games. So um, he's, he's shown the propensity for, for turning the ball over. Um, and, you know, from from a receiving standpoint, Jared Wayne is their clear number one guy. He's got 572 yards in seven games, which is pretty good, but he's only got one score. Um, he's got 32 catches, so, you know, four to five catches a game. He is averaging almost 18 yards a catch. So, again, that's a guy that could make some big plays for you. But at the same time, you look at everyone else, and it's a massive drop-off. I mean, their, their next best guy, um, Kanata Mumfeld, is – you know, only averaging 40 yards receiving a game, you know, under 290 yards, and he's averaging under 10 yards catch. Um, and then they got a bunch of guys that are, you know, anywhere from 10 to, to 15 catches at, you know, 150 to 250 yards receiving. So it's it's pretty much the Jared Wayne show. He's got about a third of their receiving yards um, in total. And that just tells you that if you can force Pittsburgh to be uh, a passing offense, they're going to struggle to move the ball consistently. That plays into um, Syracuse's hands from a defensive standpoint. So, you know, I, I think that's that's so huge as to, as you said, not let Abanaconda get his momentum going. Um, he's averaging six yards a carry this season. He's got 16 touchdowns in eight games. Um, you know, he's, al- he's already over 1,000 yards, almost at 1,100. You got to stop him on first and second down so that, you know, there. You take away you you cut off some of the playbook. That's what coordinated offensive. That was staff do all the time. You want to stay ahead of the change because I mean it's not just a trigger phase for guys on TV to say that's really a part of the game plan because it allows you to have as much of your playbook available as, as possible. If you look at uh, again some pull back the curtain staff, you know a, a simple third and five to a third and ten can cut about half of your offensive playbook depending on your personnel, how much you trust your quarterback. And what type of weapons you have on the outside. So that's a big thing talking about Pitt with an acknowledged strength of their offense and, you know, uh, acknowledged weakness outside of a uh, big Izzy 
So it is, yeah, if you if we can get a pit in those third and long situations, it, it's a double-edged sword to where, yes, Keaton Slovis hasn't looked like the guy that we saw at USC. And you take you cut down on a lot of the run plays that you can get to be easy because you're not gonna, you're not trying to pick up five or six, you're trying to pick up nine or ten. And run play a lot a drastic percentage of your run plays as you get higher up in yardage aren't designed to get that many yards. And that's where the the leadership and the film study of uh Mikel Jones comes into play here, I think. Because you know, he when when Syracuse had to stop Malik Willis last year, um, he did such a tremendous job in studying film and learning Malik Willis's tendencies. When is he going to scramble and all those things? And they completely shut him down for about 90% of that game. And I know obviously Izzy is, is a running back and not a quarterback, but you you're studying film of the opponent. So you're going to understand tendencies. What are they going to try to do on first and second down, you know, making some adjustments at, at the line of scrimmage um, to, to try to get the defense in the favorable positions to understand what Pittsburgh is going to be trying to do. And as the quarterback of that defense, I think all of that comes into play here um, where he can, you know, his, his football IQ, what's between his ears is, is a big advantage for Syracuse. I think going into this one from an offensive standpoint, we know that they want to establish Sean Tucker. And as I said earlier, who can run the ball is going to be such a key in this game. But when Syracuse does throw the ball, um, you know, Pittsburgh, from a defensive standpoint, they're not the same team that they've been the last couple of years. You know, they're, they're usually teams that are, are getting after the quarterback that, you know, are just racking up sacks left and right. Um, it all starts on Pittsburgh's defense with Servassier Dennis, their um, big-time linebacker. Leads the team in tackles. Leads the team in tackles for loss. Leads the team in sacks. Um, second in quarterback hurries. Has a couple of pass breakups. All of that. And then they've got some some guys in the secondary, like Kalijah Cansey, who has um, – uh, I'm sorry, not in, in the secondary, but he's another pass rusher that they have, who has eight and a half tackles for loss three sacks, seven quarterback hurries. In the secondary, though, they do have Eric Hallett, who has three picks. Um, he also leads the team, with the second on the team, with six pass breakups. A.J. Woods has nine pass breakups. So they've got a couple of guys who've had some success defending the pass so far this year, but they're not a, considered a great secondary, an elite secondary. They do give up over 230 passing yards a game as a team. So regardless of whether it's Garrett Schrader or Carlos Del Rio Wilson, I think Syracuse has an opportunity here to exploit Pittsburgh's secondary, and especially with a guy like Aronde Gadsden. And if it is Carlos Del Rio Wilson with with his arm strength, you know, perhaps Syracuse has a chance to to get a couple of those big plays over the top in this game. No, you know, and I don't have to keep going in about what my feelings are about the quarterback position for SU and who needs to. Be, I think who needs to be playing it. But like you said, regardless of who is there, this is an opportunity for specifically that passing game to get on track. You know, we talked about you know a lot of the turnovers, the inconsistency. You know, that's been going on most of the season, but these last two losses have really highlighted. So you know, again, not to keep harping on my favorite in quarterback competition, but it was really nice to see uh, Los get in there and have a diversity of different options 
while not, you know, because we, we talk about, you know, diversity is spreading out the options, but you don't want to not make the main thing the main thing. And OG is the main thing for this offense. So for him to be able to get it to a bunch of different guys but still be able to recognize and act as if OG is the main target, that was really exciting for me because you already talked about the lack of talent or the, the lack of uh, physical performance from this pit secondary. So if you have a guy, you have a secondary that's coming in struggling and you have a, a quarterback that's obviously talented, obviously talented and not a lot of film on him to study and know what he's going to do with his tendencies, that's a recipe for a really big game. So I think that it, that'll be an interesting thing to track to see. Yeah, there's not – I mean, if you go – unless you want to look at 2019 Georgia 6A highlights, there's not a lot of tape out there for Carlos Dario Wilson. So it'll be the same way that um that we did – who was the first game that we played? Malik Cunningham in Louisville. There was a lot of readily available film. If Los is the guy that goes out there, um, Pitt will be in a similar situation. And I think that Los is talented enough to capitalize that and really open some eyes, even more than he did last week. Yeah, and, and uh, Georgia 6A playoff highlights, that's usually what I – in, from the 2019 season. That's what I watch almost every night, personally. So, um, you know. Cartersville, you know what I'm saying? Shout out. Come on. Eight, hey, Mike. What I haven't said in a long time, and I got to say it, the best football is played in the South, baby. You do say that. That That is for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's going to be interesting if it is, Carlos, um, and, and how, how that game goes. And one thing I'll say on that is, if it is, keep an eye on Demarcus Adams. Because he targeted Demarcus Adams a few times against Notre Dame. We know Adams has elite speed. Carlos Dorio Wilson, he made that comment in the post-game press conference. Wouldn't surprise me if he ends up with, with a big play in that game, um, if, if it is uh, Carlos against the Pitt Panthers. But, you know, the other point that you brought up before we get to our predictions is turnovers. In two of the last three games, Syracuse has turned it over multiple times. And that's after the first, you know, four or five games, they essentially didn't turn it over at all. And then against NC State, they put the ball on the floor, um, you know, or put the ball on the turf. They threw interceptions, um, poor decisions. Against Clemson, they were pretty clean until late. But then against Notre Dame, again, you know, pick six to start the game. Um, they had the interception that sort of ruined their momentum in the fourth quarter. They had the blocked punt that set up another score. Uh, so multiple turnovers again that really come back came back to haunt them. They can't afford to do that on the road against a team that's you know trying to to find themselves a little bit and trying to get back to the ACC championship form that they had a year ago. That's a little bit disappointed with where they're stand where, where they are on the standings right now. If you know they're going to be ready to go and trying to beat a ranked team to prove that you know uh, the first eight games of the season were a little bit of a fluke, but they're still a good football team. And if you want to beat a team like that, you can't help them out by, by giving them those, those turnovers. So taking care of the football is going to be such a huge factor in this game. I know it sounds simple, right? It's not sexy running the ball and taking care of the ball. Yes, we know that's football, but it's true. And especially in a game like this, I, I think turnover, the turnover battle is going to be such a huge thing. No, and like you said, this is the thing to where I'm not, I, I try to stand on what I say. This what, this is a team that even, Two losses doesn't change, and it's still very talented and still very veteran laden. So it was surprising to see that the the lack of the, the amount of turnovers and lack of consistency the last two weeks because those are traits that you usually associate with younger teams and mature teams or just teams struggling to find themselves in general. With this SU team, I think the, the identity was pretty, pretty pretty apparent. It's pretty apparent, and there's not a lot of um, changing week to week about what the game plan is. So it was surprising to see you know as much as I. 
much as I think he could be better, it was surprising to see him throw the pick, the I pick the first play of the game, or like you said, to see where you know there's five, six instances of open grass and he simply refuses to to, to run. So <clears throat> it's a thing to where I hope that we can get back to our ways of being able to protect the ball. I think that this team has the I, I keep saying it has the personality and the letter the veteran leaders to know how to play a smart, disciplined game. But, you know, and Colin Cowherd says this a lot, turnovers are one thing to where you can look at them uh, two different ways. You can look at them as um, gimmies for chances, lucky happenings, or you can look at it as something that is embedded in your culture and something that you can you go out and make happen, which I believe in. You talk about that defensively, you have to go on the offensive side of the ball and be like, hey, we are a team that protects the ball. Hey, Philadelphia Eagles fan, how many backs have had you run – how many running backs have you had to run through because they like to put the ball on the ground? So it is an overlooked part of the game, but it and it, it is super it is boring, but it's a super important part. And I think that not only protecting the ball and making making sure you're disciplined, but I think that you know not beating yourself and some a lot of the ways that we've seen this SU team um, beat themselves the last two weeks. <clears throat> protecting the ball is one of the easiest ways to beat yourself. And if you if they can not do that, I think a lot of the other um, inconsistencies that they've had this, these last two weeks can uh, be eradicated as well. No doubt. Now, um, let's get to some predictions here. Um, I'll start, and then then we'll get yours. I actually do think Syracuse is going to bounce back and pick up a win in this game um, and, and beat Pittsburgh on the road for the first time since 2001. It'll be just the second time that Dino Babers has beaten Pittsburgh, uh, one and five coming into this game, but I think Syracuse is the better football team. I think that they are going to be ticked off at the last two losses. They're playing te- a team that is significantly less talented than the last two teams that they have played. They don't have the same level of offensive linemen that Clemson and Notre Dame have. I think that's going to help the defense. And I think offensively, um, you know, they'll be they'll be ready to go. They've scored on Pittsburgh in the past. They know what to expect from Pittsburgh's defense. And they've got really good personnel, um, I think, to combat it this year. So I'm going to take Syracuse something like 27 to 20 at Pittsburgh and improving to seven and two on the season. Josh, how do you see this game playing out? Um, you're usually the, the big homer, big, big, you know, hashtag be bad mo- but I'm a, I'm a, um, I see your seven points and I will raise you a field goal. Um, I think that the gap between this pit and the, this pit team, and the last team we placed, we played isn't apparent because a couple of losses. We don't have enough perspective. But I think the issue is a lot closer to the, the team in the first half that had Clemson on the ropes than the team in the second half that blew it away. And I think that when you're talking – again, you said it. This pit team is, is nowhere near talent to this um, – to this these the last two losses that we've had. So it's not, it's not a thing to where this team will not be prepared. It's not a, it's not a thing where uh, you're not motivated. And uh, one thing is just, you know, pulling behind the curtains a little bit. Courtney Jackson, the guy that we thought is the leading receiver this year, is from Pittsburgh. Again, another one of the homies. Um, and we all know, especially Los, and uh, you know, when guys go to home to make go home and it's homecoming, play close to the area, whatever, it's always an extra bit of urgency to to make a big play, to do something big. And uh with Los being in him being just a more more in tune with the locker room and closer to the guys and straighter would be. I think that he'll take that in the uh, the to, that it won't be happenstance if Courtney Jackson has a big game again. A guy that we thought could be the number one receiver coming into the year, and he's a guy that has a lot of speed. And we outside of the UConn game, we haven't seen a, a ton of it. So I would say be on the lookout for number nine and big Courtney coming home to Pittsburgh. Look for some big plays from Court. But I would go issue by team. 
So Courtney Jackson's going to have five touchdown catches on Saturday. You heard it from Why John first. <laughs> Shout out Court, man. Shout that's out Court. Right. Come on, that's now. right. I mean, hey, if he does, I, I think Syracuse probably going to win by by quite a bit if if something crazy like that happens. But that'll do it for episode fifty-seven of the Believe in Syracuse podcast, presented by Hoffman Sausage Company and Bet Online. For Josh Crawford, I'm Mike McAllister, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.